All right, the book of Psalms, chapter 119 tonight, the book of Psalms, chapter 119, and as you find your place, if you're able to stand for the reading of God's Word, we'll go ahead and stand tonight. Psalm chapter 119, Psalm chapter 119, Sunday night we looked at verses number 9 through verse number 16, and so tonight we're just going to kind of keep on going through, uh, <laughs> Brother Greer's looking at I, I got it in my notes, Brother Greer, what I texted you today, and so uh, that was, thank you for texting me back about that. I, had, I was texting Brother Greer a medical question uh, having to do with this text that I was studying out, and I thought, man, this is really profound. You ever get those things where you read the Bible, you look at the Bible, Brother Philip, and it's just like, there's got to be something there. And so, you know, like all good Bible students, you go to like Google, and you type something in at Google. And then you're like reading a little bit more, a little bit more, and then you're like, well, I, got, I got to contact an expert. And Dr. Greer was my expert this afternoon when I, I texted him a question, medical question. So we'll get into that tonight. Um, excited about looking at this text tonight, and I've titled the message tonight, The Wonder of the Word. The Wonder of the Word. And we'll kind of dive into this and dissect these verses. So we're going to begin in verse number 17. The Bible says, Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. Thou hast rebuked the proud that are crushed, or sorry, that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. We've been looking at Psalm 119 Sunday night, and as we get in here this Wednesday night, and really you look at Psalm 119, you notice the common thread is obviously the Word of God. We've already kind of really established that, so I don't want to re-preach that. But as we look at it tonight, specifically through verse 17, through verse number 24, you really kind of see the psalmist kind of step back in amazement at God's Word and the impact it has on his life. And so, Lord willing, tonight we're going to dive right into this and, and dissect these eight verses. Father, we thank you so much, again, for the privilege and the opportunity we have to be back in your house this Wednesday night. Uh, Lord, I know the, well, it's been a long day. Many have worked and many have labored some inside, some outside, and it's easy to come in on a Wednesday night, and we've come in with the mindset of it's Wednesday night, I'm going to be in church and kind of just go through the motions, but God, you have something for us, and it has nothing to do with me, or it has everything to do with the Word of God as it's opened up and preached tonight, whether I was preaching, or pastor was preaching, or one of the men of the church, or a visiting preacher was preaching, it all goes back to you. So Lord, tonight we ask and pray that you'd speak to our heart and challenge us uh, through the, the lesson, through the teaching tonight, the preaching tonight, that you might be honored and glorified. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Uh, Sir Walter Scott, the great Scottish writer, poet, and author of Ivanhoe, was a devout reader of the Bible, and on the flyleaf of his personal Bible, he wrote the following note. He wrote this note, he said, "...within this awesome volume lies the mystery of mysteries." Happiest they of human race, who from their God have gotten grace, to read, to wonder, and to pray, to lift the latch and face the way. But better he 
Had ne'er been born, who reads to laugh, who reads to scorn. Sir Walter Scott's love for the Bible was actually evident through his literary writings, and if you go back and study his life, and you go back and you study his writings, whether it was by poetry or plays or books, oftentimes you would find similar themes and characters in his writings that you could trace back to the Word of God. And so the influence of the Bible in his life, we'll say it like this, influenced every area of his life. It wasn't just when it came to his spiritual walk that the Bible influenced his life, but even we'll say it kind of like this, like in his secular walk, in his, in his job, the Bible had an, a, a profound impact and influence on his life. And God's desire for you and I, uh, when it comes to it, is that the Bible, the Word of God, has the same influence in our life. That the Bible, the Word of God, would have an influence in our life that we can see in every aspect of our life. Not just on a Sunday or on a Wednesday or, or not just uh, when we're going through hard times or when we're struggling, but that the Bible, God's Word, would have an influence in every area of our life and how we do business and how we lead our families, how we, uh, how we uh, love on our spouse and how we discipline our children, uh, how, we, how we deal with the, the trials and the, the good times and the bad times that life throws at us. Listen, when the world is crashing down around us, the Bible is what gives us the hope and the assurance to know that, hey, no matter what this world throws at us, we can have confidence in that God has a plan and God has a purpose. So the Bible gives us the answers when the world gives us, we'll just say it like this, when the world gives us the problems, God's word has the answers. When the world gives us hopelessness, God's word gives us assurance. But if we're not in the Bible and if we don't apply scripture to our life, uh, like uh, Sir Walter Scott did, it makes it hard to go through hard times. It makes it hard to go through difficult times. It makes it hard to go through personal loss. When we lose a family member, uh, I, th- I think of the Williams, as Brother Terry texted this afternoon and kind of giving the details and what their family's going through. So, Brother Andrew, that, that's a difficult time. Absolutely, it's a difficult time. And anybody who's lost a, a family member or lost a close loved one, uh, I, I think about just coming through just a couple weeks ago, Memorial Day weekend, and uh, texting my brothers who had been in combat and served over in Iraq and Afghanistan. I know many of you have as well. And uh, those, are, those are hard times where they look back and they look back at the personal loss and the struggles that they've been through. But listen, because of God's word and because we can find in the Bible, there's also confidence and there's assurance that we can find when we go to God's word. One important point many, uh, many Christians fail to understand is that the Bible, God's word, was never meant to replace God. Let that sink in for just a second. The Bible, God's word, was never meant to replace God. It's not like God gave us the Bible and said, okay, here you have the Bible, have a good time, see you later. No, no, no. The Bible, God gave us the Bible so that that we might draw closer to him, that we might understand him more, that we might see him for who he really is. No, the Bible is a resource, if you would, to really see and know the heart of God. We think about for a second here a husband-wife relationship and the, the relationship that a husband and wife have. And in order for a good marriage to take place, there's got to be a couple of things. Obviously, there's got to be trust. There's got to be trust between a husband and a wife to have a good marriage. But there's also got to be that all-important word, communication. Communication. Some of you all like kind of like getting tied up, like, man, it's Wednesday night, Brother Andrew. No, no, let's just be honest. In a marriage, Brother Philip, you've got to have communication, right? Even you know that. I've uh, been married, uh, praise the Lord, 18 years, and, and, and one of the things that is so vitally important that I've learned in 18 years is there's got to be communication. Some of you have been married a lot longer than 18 years, and you can give testimony, right, Brother Rick? There's got to be good communication in a marriage. Can I say like this, too? When it comes to our walk 
in our relationship with God, there has to be good communication. God's given us communication right here. God's given us good communication that we would know the heart of God, that we could see the heart of God, that when we, listen, when we run into a brick wall, that we can go to God and say, God, how am I supposed to handle this? God, how am I supposed to deal with this? God, what is the, what is the appropriate thing? What is the appropriate response in this situation? God communicates to us through the word of God. And we can have good intentions when it comes to the Bible. We can have good intentions when it comes to the word of God. But good intentions don't mean a thing if we're not putting it to practice. So I'm going to give you an illustration. Everybody know what this is? This is a flashlight. Brother John, we owe you one of these. We gave these out for Father's Day. You were stuck in the airport. Uh, otherwise, I know Brother John would have been here. So Brother, we'll get, Brother John, you can have this one. It was this one or a pink one. You'll take this one. Okay. Good man. <laughs> Good man. This is a flashlight. We gave these out Sunday for Father's Day, right? And uh, it's pretty funny. Uh, we give these out and all the guys get a flashlight. What's the first thing they do? right? Flashlight. But listen, what good is a flashlight if all it is is stuck in my pocket? What good is a flashlight? Hey, I got a flashlight. It gets, it gets dark. I, I came in here this afternoon, actually put this in there. I had to turn the flashlight on. It gets dark in here. Man, what good is a flashlight, Brother Cole, if I don't use it? What good is a flashlight when it's dark, when it's needed to be used, and it just sits in my pocket? Can we say it like this? It's the same thing, same principle when it comes to the Word of God. We need the Word of God in our life. We need God's word in our life. We need, listen, we need the truths of scripture in our life. But what good is it if we don't apply it? What good is it if we don't search for it? If, what good is it if we just keep our Bible just closed and kind of just sitting on the counter? Oh, it's Sunday. Let me go grab my Bible. Oh, it's Wednesday. Let me go grab my, hey, teenagers, it's Thursday night. It's tea night. I got to have my Bible so Brother Andrew doesn't embarrass me. Sophie, she brings her Bible. Man, listen, what good is it if we have the word of God, we have the communication of God, but yet we never open it, we never use it? In this section of of Psalms chapter 119, you really kind of get the sense from the psalmist's perspective. He's understanding now the really the the nitty-gritty, if you would, of the importance of God's word in his life. And so the psalmist comes to this conclusion, if you would, that to understand life and all uh, all its issues and be able to navigate it, he's got to look to the word of God for his strength. Listen, you and I, we, we don't know what's going to take place tomorrow. Man, you look at the news, you look at the, the uh, things going on, on, whether it's on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, you look at what's going on in Washington, you look at what's going on in Ukraine, you look at what's going on in this world, man, it's just mass chaos. And if we look at what's taking place, and we know, listen, we know we're in an election cycle, we know we're in an election cycle, and we know that there's an agenda on this side, and there's an agenda on this side, and there's an agenda over here, and an agenda over here, and we're just kind of left with our hands up going, what am I going to do? Gas is, is nearly $5 a gallon. It's going to go higher. Milk is ast- astronomical. Uh, I was talking to Crystal today. Uh, she said something about uh, who did you, USDA was saying that like a dozen eggs in what, six months? It's about six months. It's going to be $12 a dozen. Man, it's mass chaos. Man, just you're looking at all this stuff going, what is going on? Hold up, hold up, hold up. Time out. If we would just get in God's word and find the assurance and the confidence that we need to face life's trials, it's all, all the, listen, all the answers are right here. And we're going to look at this tonight. The psalmist looks at God's word from a different perspective rather than just going, okay, I just need a little bit of this in my life. No, no. The psalmist looks at the word of God and says, I have, this has got to be a priority in my life. This has got to be a priority in my life. So Brother Angel, why are you saying that? Because if the word of God is not a priority in our life, look up here then we will be discouraged with what has taken place in America. 
If the Word of God is not a priority in our life, we will be discouraged with what has taken place in our public schools, in our workplace, and can I even get deeper than that? Even in our churches across America. We have a responsibility, I believe, to go to the Word of God to find our strength, to find our comfort, to find our hope, to find our assurance. And that's what the psalmist is getting at here in verse number 17 through verse number 24. So let's dive right into it here. Verse number 17, let's look what the Bible says. The Bible says, deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. The first four verses, sorry, the first three verses in our text tonight, uh, really the psalmist gives us a, a regard, if you would, for the word of God and how he, 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 how he says this. See, verse 18, he says, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Verse 19, he says, I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. The regard that the writer has for the word of God is, is manifested here in verse number 17 when he says, deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Listen, the regard that we show for God and the regard that we show for God's word is demonstrated in how we keep God's word. It's right there in the text. He says, deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live. Now notice what he says here, and keep thy word. Listen, God doesn't desire for us to put a bag over our head and go live on the side of a mountain. No, no, God desires for us to live. God desires for our life to be bountiful. God desires for our life to be a blessing, to be an encouragement one to another. But listen, if we're not careful tonight, we look at God's word and we don't keep God's word. We kind of just go, well, you know, I just, I'm just struggling. No, no, the psalmist said that I would keep thy word. Practicing God's word or living out God's word begets life. And Peter, the apostle Peter recognized this when he penned this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. He said, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. We're born again. We're, we're, we're bought with the price. And the word of God is so precious in our life that it ought, to be, it, ought to be, it ought to be regarded with the highest authority in our life. No, no. We, we think about a husband, wife, or we think about uh, maybe a, a, a parents and children. And we would regard an individual and we would regard maybe our boss, whatever the case is, at a very high level. But when it comes to the word of God, where does the word of God stack up? Is there a regard, if you would, or a respect for the word of God in our life? The psalmist, he says, deal bountifully with thy servant. He recognizes the fact that he is not his own. You and I are not our own. We've been bought with the price. We've been bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He says, deal bountifully with thy servant that I may what? That I may live. But hold up. He says, not just live, but that I would keep thy word. He recognized the fact that the life that he has, he doesn't have it because he's a good person. He doesn't, listen, he doesn't have it because he's an American. He doesn't have it because, because he's a member of Riverside Baptist Church. He has it because of God and God alone. And he recognizes the fact that, hey, if I'm going to live life and I'm going to enjoy it and I'm going to enjoy the blessings of God, I've got to do the work, I've got to live by the word of God. And so every decision and every aspect of our life has got to run through, if you would, the pages of God's word. So what are you getting at, Brother Andrew? Listen, when we make a decision, how does it measure up with Scripture? When we make a decision, we're praying about something. How does it measure up to the Bible? Do we even regard the word of God? Do we even consider what God has to say? Well, Brother Andrew, I was listening to this podcast, or I read this article, or I saw this post. What does God say? Man, if you've ever, if you've, if you've ever had a, uh, an opportunity, we'll say it like this, an opportunity to sit down and, 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 and talk to pastor, and maybe get some counseling or get some advice. Man, the word of God, the word of God. Pastor, oh, the word of God. Well, I, Brother Andrew, I, I, I just need to know God's will. Get in God's word. 
I need to understand what's going on. Get in God's word. God's word is so vitally important in our life. But if we're not careful, we kind of just look at it and just kind of pass on by it with no regard. But then he says in verse number 18, he says, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Paul reminds us the hidden treasures of the word of God in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he said this. He says, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, uh, sorry, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. We should be continual students of God's word, learning what God has to say. Back in May, uh, Abram and I went down to Oklahoma City for the Heartland graduation and, and was down there with Cole. Wednesday night, we're at Southwest Baptist Church and, and we stayed a little late helping out with some different things at the church. I'm walking by the front of the auditorium and, and uh, I'm, I can't remember, I think I was talking to Brother Vaughn, was, I think I was talking to Brother Vaughn or somebody and I felt this tap on my back and it was Brother Sam Davison. Brother Sam Davison, most of you know Brother Sam, he'll be with us in November uh, preaching. But Brother Sam was like, hey Andy, how you doing? I said, good, preacher, how are you? Good, we got talking. And anyway, I, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I made a statement and said something about, you know, there's, there's got to be continual growth. And here's what he said. He said, Andy, he goes, I'm always wanting to grow. I'm always reading, I'm always studying, always asking questions. And here's a guy who's pastored for years, preached thousands of times all over America, all over the world. But yet, even at his age, with his experience, with his knowledge, Remember, Brother Marty, I'd just like to have a little bit of his knowledge when it comes to Scripture and, 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 and preaching. Man, he is still like, I still want to learn. I still want to read. I still want to grow. No, that ought to be our mindset as well. Look what he says. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. When was the last time we asked God to open up our eyes? I just kind of put this little side note here. Isn't it interesting that the psalmist wrote, open thou mine eyes? When was the last time we prayed and asked God to open our eyes to His truth? When was the last time right before we walked through the doors of Riverside Baptist Church, we just kind of stopped and paused and said, Lord, would you open my eyes? Would you open my eyes to the truth of Your Word? Would you open my eyes to the truth and the things that I need? No, no, let's just be honest. It's Wednesday night, mainly church family here. We can come into church on a Wednesday night and just kind of go through the motions. Just kind of go through the motions, right? Most everybody in here worked today. Most everybody in here kind of, maybe many people haven't eaten dinner yet. I mean, there's life, right? Life. And so we can come in on a Wednesday night and just kind of do our duty per se, do our spiritual thing, our Christian thing. But how many of us came in tonight or how many of us come in on a regular basis going, God, would you just open my eyes? Lord, would you show me some truths from the word of God that I need? Not, Not that... Someone else needs, no, no, Lord, I'm going to be uh, selfish that I need. Lord, would you reveal some things? Would you open mine eyes? When was the last time we prayed and asked God to open our eyes so that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law? I found that phrase right there in verse number 18 very interesting. Open thou mine eyes. And I thought, hmm, I got thinking as I was studying this. I'm thinking, you know, a lot of times we pray, Lord, you speak to my heart. Would you speak to my heart? Would you speak to my heart? But the psalmist says, open thou mine eyes. So here's where my study went. I was texting back and forth with Dr. Greer about the eyes and the effects that the eyes have on the heart. Here's what I found. In a February 2022 article published by the University of Chicago Medicine, I'm going to mispronounce her name, so hopefully she'll forgive me. Dr. Demetra Skandra made the following statement. 
She says, the arrangement of blood vessels at the back of the eye, known as the retina vasculature, did I pronounce that right? Okay, good deal. Is closely connected, listen, to the health of your heart. That means issues we see in your eye can be directly linked to the health problems with your heart. Hold up for a second. If God created man, which he did, if God created male and female, which he did, and God designed that a doctor could look in your eye and look in my eye and be able to tell physically the condition of our heart, you think a God in heaven could look in our eye and see the spiritual condition of our heart? Here the psalmist says, open thou mine eyes. I wonder why he said that. Maybe because he knew, or maybe because God knew, through the eyes, what we see in God's Word, it affects our heart. You and I come to church on Sunday morning for Sunday school, Sunday morning for morning service, Sunday night for service, Wednesday night. So let's just say four times a week. If we come to every service, and listen, not not every service are we here and preaching. We might be a teacher in Sunday school. We might be in junior church teaching. Uh, Brother Nathan teaches junior church every Sunday morning. He's not in the Sunday morning service. I don't even know the last time, maybe Brother Nathan might not even know the last time he was in here for a Sunday morning service. But he's preaching. So man, he, he has, and he teaches Sunday school. So he has Sunday night and Wednesday night. And we hear, listen, we hear the word of God. And that's great. But there's nothing like us taking the word of God with our own eyes. And looking at what God has to say. And with our own eyes, beholding the wondrous things in God's word that affects our heart. The psalmist had a great regard for the Word of God. He said, Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Brother Andrew, I'm just not getting anything out of the Word of God. How often do you read your Bible? Well, I'm in church every service. That's not what I ask. (laughs) Well, you know, if, if preacher would just feed me, hold up. If preacher would just preach a good message, hold up. If my Sunday school teacher would just preach a good, hold up. What are we doing when it comes to the Word of God? Are we beholding the wondrous things out of Scripture and allowing the Word of God to speak to our heart? No, no. Our eyes see in the Word of God and it affects our heart. Because then he goes on to say this in verse 19. He says, I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. The psalmist not only, listen, must he recognize and put regard, if you would, to the Word of God, The psalmist recognized this, that he had to possess the Word of God. He had to have it in control. Look what he says here, verse 19. He says, I am a stranger in the earth. Uh, Hold up. We're strangers in this earth. Uh, Even just looking this afternoon, doing a little bit of study, man, the the state of America and the state of our culture and some of the grotesque things that have taken place involving children lately and even within our public school systems, man, it's just, it's despicable. It's disgusting. And no Christian should look at that and go, yeah, I want to be a part of that. And so the psalmist recognized even here that he was but a stranger. But notice what he says in the latter part of verse 19. Hide not thy commandments from me. Even though you, listen, even though you and I are strangers in this earth, even though you and I are strangers in this land, God's not in heaven going, well, you know, you're on your own. You kind of got to deal with it. That's not how God operates. God desires to give us the instruction. God desires to give us the strength that we need. And so when the psalmist recognizes, hey, I'm kind of like a fish out of water. I'm kind of in a different, I'm different than everybody else. 
Why? Because I'm one of God's children. I'm one of God's, I'm a, God, a child of God. Man, I, I need God's influence in my life. And you and I, we need that influence of God in our life. But then he says in verse number 20, he says, my soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto judgments, to thy judgments at all times. Not only was there a regard that he gives here, but in verse number 20, he really kind of reflects upon the word of God and the impact it's had on his life. Notice what he says. He says, my soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments. There's a real desire and a passionate desire, if you would, that the psalmist gives here in verse number 20. He says, my soul breaketh. 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 What would we do if we did not have God's word in our hand? Uh, Let me rephrase it. What would we do if we did not have God's word in our hand or on our tablet or on our cell phone? Would we know enough of God's word to be encouraged? Would we know enough of God's word to be able to lead somebody to the Lord? Would we know enough of God's word to find comfort in trying times? He says, my soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. The psalmist said, there's a desire, there's a, there's a, there's a passionate plea, if you would, for the judgments of God or the word of God in his life. Charles Spurgeon would make this, this statement about verse number 20. He said, true godliness lies very much in its desires. As we are not what we shall be, we so, we so also are not what we ought to be. The desires of gracious men after holiness are intense. They cause a wear of heart, a, a straining, if you would, of the mind, till it feels ready to snap with the heavenly pole. A high value of the Lord's commandment leads to a pressing desire to know and to do it. And this so weighs upon the soul that it is ready to break in pieces under the crush of its own longings. What a blessing it is when all our desires are after the things of God. We may well long for such longings. When, listen, where's our desire when it comes to the Word of God? When we wake up in the morning, what's our first thought? When we get our day going, what's our, what's our thought like? Is, are, are we spending time in God's Word? Are, are we longing after the Word of God? Well, that's where we've got to be. If we really want to behold wondrous things out of God's Word, if we really want our eyes to be open and our heart affected, we've got to have that longing where our soul's like, I need God's Word. I need what God has for me. I can't put it off later on today or tonight. I need God's Word in my life. Then he says in verse number 21, he says, Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy judgments. Remove from, my, uh, remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. The psalmist begins, if you would hear verse number 21, he begins to look around himself and make some judgments, make some wise judgments of what's taking place. In verse number 21, he says, Thou hast rebuked the proud. He says, basically saying this, Straying from God's word brings rebuke. Throughout the Old Testament, God rebuked the people of Israel because they turned away from His commandments. Say, can you illustrate that, Brother Andrew? I don't have time, but just go back to the book of Judges. We see a common phrase throughout the book of Judges. The people did that which was right in what? Their own eye. Their own eyes. They looked at their life. They looked at what God wanted for them. They said, yeah, we're not going to do that. We're going to do what we want to do. So the psalmist here in verse number 21 says, Thou hast rejected the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy judgments. So what is that? how does that apply to me, Brother Andrew? Listen, you and I have a responsibility to apply God's word to our life. You and I have a responsibility to live out God's word in our life. But if we choose not to do it God's way, if we choose not to live out the word of God in our life, 
we have to live with the consequences. We have to live with the judgment, if you would, from God. And there's no one to blame for that but us. Look at what he says. He says, thou hast rebuked the proud. He says, listen, you've been rebuked. Why? Because you're proud. You think you know it better. You think you can do it better. God's saying, no, no, no. I've got, I've got a perfect way right here for you. I've got it all lined out for you. If you would just do it the way I say right here in my word. And we're like, nope, I can do it better, God. I can do it better. I can do it better. Husbands and wives, you ever have those conversations with your spouse and your spouse is like, hey, listen, I can, I can handle this. I can do it better than you. Okay, no one wants to admit to that. Okay. No, no, let's just be honest. There's times in our life where we have the mindset of I can do it better. 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 But when it comes to life, no one can do it better than God. When it comes to understanding what needs to take place in the next step of life, if you would, and, and looking what's going to come up down the road, no one does it better than God. So why would we err from God's commandments? Because then he says in verse number 22, he says, remove from me reproach and contempt. Here's what he's saying. I don't want to be proud. I don't want to be the one that is getting the judgment of God and the rebuke of God. I want to be the one that has the blessings of God. Look what he says the latter part of verse 22. He says, for I have kept thy testimonies. Staying by God's word brings reward. Staying close to God, staying within the boundaries of Scripture, staying within the pages of Scripture and what God lines out in Scripture right here, man, it brings reward. It brings blessing from God. How many could testify tonight of errors in their life and judgments and decisions they've made and there's baggage? And had they, had I, had we just stayed in the pages of the Word of God and said, I'm not going to go this way, I'm not going to go this way. I'm going to go right here, right where God's word says. Man, there'd be no regrets. There'd be no scars. There'd be no pains. There'd be no, I really don't want to talk about that. There'd be like, I really don't want to share about that. There'd be no, man, that was, that was when I was living rebellious. There'd be none of that. We could just honestly say, you know what, I, I, I haven't been perfect. I've obviously had mistakes. But man, praise God, I've just tried and endeavored to live within these pages right here and do exactly what God tells me to do according to the Word of God. Man, I've kept His testimonies and God's blessed me for it. And then lastly, look at verse number 23 and verse number 24. Here's what the psalmist says. He says, Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Lastly, when he beholds the wonder of God's word, here's what the psalmist finds. He finds refuge in the word of God. In verse number 23, he makes a very profound statement. He says, princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Princes also did speak against me. James warned about the danger of the tongue and the danger that the tongue holds in James chapter 3, verse number 3 through verse number 8. And if you've been here for any amount of time, you know a pastor preached about the tongue, oh, just a couple weeks ago. In this life, we may rest assured that others will have words about us. David would pen this in Psalm 64, verse number 3. He says, who wit their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words. You see, the gossip, the liars, the backbiters, the slanderers, all that work mischief with the tongue, they're gonna, it's going to take place. The psalmist says right here, princes also did sit, and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. 
When you and I struggle, when you and I struggle with maybe comments that are being made, maybe we take a stand for the cause of Christ, maybe we, we, we make a commitment to God. If we're, man, if we're, if we're in public school, I'm a public school grad, and we're in public school, and we're saying, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to listen to that, I'm not going to watch this, and we make a stand, and maybe somebody makes fun of us, or somebody makes a statement about us, Maybe there's some slanders, there's some comments that are being made, there's some jokes that are being applied, whatever the case is. Listen, we can find comfort, we can find hope in meditating in God's word, knowing, hey, God's got this. I can be encouraged, knowing I'm, I'm living my life, listen, I'm living my life not for uh, Brother Andrew, not for Pastor Marshall, not for my mom and dad. No, no, I'm living my life for God, and God says, this is how I need to live, and I'm going to live it. But then he says this in verse number 24, he says, thy testimonies also are my delight. The psalmist reminds us that the word of God is his counsel for every way of life. He says, thy testimonies, or we say like this, thy word also are my delight and my counselors. The word of God not only gives delight, but it gives us direction. In Psalm 119, verse number 105, the Bible says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6, many of us know this, trust the Lord with all thine heart, lean not unto thine own understanding, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. We look at the Word of God sometimes as just a book that we bring in for a service. Maybe we bring in on Thursday night for teen night. Obviously, we go to camp, bring your Bible to go to camp. Don't go to Bible camp, not bring your Bible. But man, the Word of God is so much more than that. The Word of God and what we can find within Scripture, so much more than that. This book gives us direction, gives us confidence, gives us peace of mind, gives us assurance. Man, gives us the answers we need to live this life. A.W. Tozer said this, he said, the difficulty we modern Christians face is not misunderstanding the Bible, but rather persuading our untamed hearts to accept its plain instructions. You and I, you and I, we struggle living the Christian life. And my struggle, I can honestly say, I can trace it back to this one thing. Not giving this the due diligence and we'll say it like this, the authority in my life that I ought to. When I struggle personally, when I have bad days personally, when I'm dealing with things in my life personally, I recognize I haven't been given this, the preeminence in my life like I ought to. I haven't been asking God, God, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. No, no, I can go through the motions. I can go through the, the checkbox, Brother Philip, and just go, yep, it's another Sunday. Hey, I know I teach Sunday school. Hey, it's another Wednesday night. It's another Thursday night. I can go through the motions. We all can go through the motions. But God desires tonight that we give this book the preeminence in our life that it ought to be. So I'm going to leave you with this. Sir Walter Scott, in the front of his Bible, wrote these words. Within this awesome volume lies the mysteries of mysteries. Happiest they of human race who from their God have gotten grace. To read, to wonder, and to pray. To lift the latch and face the way. But better had he ne'er been born who reads to laugh, who reads to scorn. Are you and I beholding wondrous things out of God's law? I hope tonight our answer is yes. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God, Lord, for the opportunity we have to be, to meet. Lord, I know that even in life, sometimes we get so busy with 
homes, jobs, just different things, hobbies, interests, whatever the case might be. And Lord, it's sad that sometimes, more times than we're maybe we're willing to admit, but the Word of God kind of just gets pushed aside. And the truths of Scripture and the reality that you desire for us to have that intimate one-on-one relationship with you just doesn't get the priority that it ought to. We go through the motions, and maybe, maybe we read our Bible every single day, but even that, if we're honest, we just kind of go through the motions and check the box. We haven't prayed and asked you to open things up for our eyes, to open our heart up, to open our mind up to the things of God. We haven't come to church begging you as we come in the doors to speak to us and to challenge us from the Word of God. We just come in knowing that how many songs we're going to sing, when the offering's going to be, about how long the preaching message is going to be, the invitation. Then we go about our, our life. Lord, what a shame for us to neglect the most important thing or the most important thing in our life that God is just so vital. It's so vital for us to live that victorious Christian life, to give you, to give your word the preeminence in our life. Lord, thank you for the text. Thank you for the challenge. Or knowing that we face trying days ahead and uncertain days ahead, or knowing that we're going to face some battles, whether they're within the economy, within the financial markets, within even food, or within our government, whatever the case might be. Or we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But we do, know, we do know who holds tomorrow. We know that we can have confidence knowing that none of this is catching you by surprise. So Lord, help us to get on our face before you. Help us to spend that time in prayer. But God, help us to get in your word. Help us to have that closeness with you that you so desire. As we stand tonight, the piano is going to play. Altars are open. We're going to just do business with God. If God spoke in your heart tonight, whether you come to the altar there in your seat,